Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. The Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast is now supported by the Urban Land Institute. To find out more about becoming a member, please follow the link in the show notes, remembering to quote the promo code ACRE to take advantage of all the benefits of our partnership. More details at the end of this podcast. You're listening to the Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Nick Carmen. Thank you once more for joining me on the podcast. This is episode 51 and a slightly different episode today. I've got some incredibly big news and not one, but three great guests joining me on the pod today. So I have thoroughly enjoyed recording the uh, the podcast over the course of the last two years and I've met some incredible people whilst recording their episodes. However, as the sort of weeks and months have gone on, I've wanted to meet more. So in 2022, I set myself the target of taking a podcast to a live audience. And with incredibly big thanks to Propski, on May the 4th, I'll be interviewing Chris Davies, who's the CEO of Uncommon, on the pod in front of a live audience. I'm getting nervous already. So I'll be doing this in collaboration then with the Propski reunion on May the 4th, 2022. If you've attended this year's Propski and are hankering for a catch-up, then please purchase your tickets using the link in the listener notes. If you've never attended a Propski event, head over to their website, where I'm going to list their, their website in the notes as well. Check out what they're up to, check out their mission and the up-and-coming events. So to introduce my guests, I'm going to be joined by three members of the Propski committee, and they are Laura Shields, Sales Director for Uncommon, Rupert Parker, founder and CEO of Building Passport, and Rachel Lee, Senior Development Manager of Travalis. So guys, thank you very much for joining me. Now, I've mentioned in the intro the headline of what's coming up, but I think it's probably best coming from you. So Laura, why don't you get us started? What have you got in store for those attending? Yeah, of course. So really exciting event on the 4th of May. Um, we'll all be convening at Uncommons Liverpool Street Building, where we'll have live podcast, a welcome by our founders. Um, and the evening we'll have welcome drink and some canapes um, and allowing people to just network and reminisce on the trip. You have to remind us all what that feels like as well, Laura, after, after a couple of years sort of break. Um, so uh, Rupert and Rachel, if I can ask you then to the next sort of question about sort of if I, Rachel, if I start with you, why did you get involved in Propski? And if anyone's listening who, you know, uh, heavens forbid, aren't involved, or haven't been on a trip before, maybe gives us a sort of a sample of, you know, what's, what they might get involved in next time it comes around. So I think from my perspective, um, I'd been working and eventually then qualified as a surveyor in South Wales. Uh, I was friends with one of the original committee members, David Corridan, who spoke to me and said, I know you're interested in skiing and if you're in the process of moving to a new city, um, Propski is a great way to network and broaden your range of people that you know. So I just thought, this is great. I'm joining a new job. Um, at the time, I thought, what better way to meet people than on mountainside? So <laughs> that January 2015, I believe, was my first trip. And I never looked back, really. So I think there was about 100 people on that trip. And then fast forward a few years, um, I was able to then join the committee and get involved with the organisation side of things. Um, and obviously Rupert's been on board since the beginning, but it's something that I think has been beneficial um, throughout my time. 
Uh, and Rupert, maybe as a chance to, def- obviously you're one of the original founders, aren't you? How has it changed over time and what, what might someone expect to get involved in when it comes up to sort of um, your events over this year and then to the next sort of prop ski in 2023? Yeah, so um, it really has evolved year on year. So, so every year we make sure we take feedback from everyone who's been and what they found you know, helpful and, and not so helpful throughout the, the course of the week or the half week, whichever trip they're on. Um, and yeah, I guess for the first year was 2013 when we, we founded it. Um, we had 92 people on that trip. And as we've got older as a committee, um, we've also had the sort of the, the difficulty of trying to cater to multiple age ranges. So, you know, the, the youngest people on the trip can be 18, 19, um, people who are, you know, apprentices or whatever, right the way through to, you know, people who are just about to retire. So catering for all of these people has been, he's, has been a challenge. Um, but uh, last year, we actually, or I say last year, I mean our last trip um, a few months ago, we started the Prospects, which is the younger generation of Propsky. So we don't really put a kind of defining barrier um, on who comes on that trip. The trip runs alongside the Propsky trip, um, but there are separate events. And anyone who comes on the props get Prospects trip, um, very difficult to say, um, can also come on the Propsky trip um, events during that week. So there, there's a lot of crossover, but we wanted to give kind of the younger generation a safe space, if you like, um, to start to interact with their peers, much like we did in 2013 when the trip started. Uh, and just to echo this, um, uh, for anyone who isn't involved in sort of prop ski, you know, when I was thinking about sort of doing the the live podcast, and you know, I, I, I've approached sort of several sort of the biggest sort of networking events and like sort of prop ski have absolutely sort of stood out there as being sort of the most welcoming, the most forward thinking, and particularly about sort of using sort of different medium in terms of, sort of who their sort of their clientele is wanting to do so and like I said I, I said you said a big thanks at the start and, uh, and I'm going to say it again I'm really really grateful for you guys sort of get, um, uh, allowing me to get involved in this I am so excited about doing it um so to get back onto sort of to my mission and the reason why I set up the sort of podcast about sort of accelerating careers is that there is I think sort of this want from me to make sure that people who are listening are awake and their eyes are open to what's happening and which stage they're at in terms of their career so we were talking about this sort of off air before about there being sort of these three repeating sort of events throughout everyone's career you've got your accelerating stage when you're learning and inevitably then comes to these developments of opportunities but then that has a habit then of starting to wane and you move into this consolidation period this sort of resting phase and so many of my my guests, you know, they talk about feeling uncomfortable in this. They miss that stage of sort of learning. They miss the um, uh, sort of what that meant for for them in terms of their enjoyment, their career. And so they have this ability to create a spark, and they often see opportunities that others hadn't, or they're willing to take bigger risks that others maybe um, weren't willing to do in order to get returned back to them. Now. Rupert, obviously, is someone on the, on the call. You know, this is someone who has set up their own company in last, is it 12 months? Last two years, Rupert? Uh, two years, yeah. Last two years. Um, uh, and that's the the building sort of passport. So leaving the safety and security of one of the biggest sort of property companies and going it alone. So you know, talking about sort of that catalyst and seeing opportunities where others had, just give me sort of your thoughts on the why. You know, what made you decide to overcome all the reasons not to do this and make that ultimately make that leap of faith um well firstly it was not 
an easy decision to make at all. Um, as you say, you know, leaving a very large um, setup company um, to go and start something myself was was a very risky move. Um, I've also got kind of not a not a very easy route um, to doing so through anyone I know. So I didn't really know that many people who had set up their own businesses. Um, we had set up Propsky by that stage as a business. So I'd had some sort of experience in, you know, company's house and the tax and things like that. But it really was kind of a leap of faith. And it was also the biggest thing in my mind was actually, you know, what are my parents going to think about this? And my parents are, you know, on the older side now. I'm 34 now. I started the business when I was 32. It took me from the age of 30 to 32 to actually almost convince them that this was a good idea. Um, and not that you need kind of the the justification of, of family members or friends to do something. But I think it does have a, a big bearing in in the way that we enter the, the property sector. I mean, nine times out of 10 people that I meet in the property industry have got family members in the property industry also. So it brings us back to the idea of, you know, throughout time, we are jumping through hoops. We've done school, we've done university, we've got our degree in real estate or whatever it might be. We're now doing either a conversion course, another hoop to get into the real estate industry, and then we're going through the qualification process. And these hoops never never seem to end. It always seems to be, oh, you need to do this number of deals before you get a promotion, etc. But there are shortcuts to take. And one thing that I've learned sort of from a very early stage and, and sort of experience in army style things at school was that sticking your neck out is never a bad thing to do. You know, you're not going to know unless you ask. And I think it was a famous ice hockey player um, who said, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Um, and that for me was really kind of stuck in my mind when I did it. I was like, well, you know, I've got my degree, I've got you know, my qualifications, I can go ahead and risk this. And I've got that to fall back on if, if needs be. Yeah, I think sort of once once more, again, listening to someone who has done this, who's made that sort of leap, sort of your your perspective on taking that risk and sort of um, the reasons why to do it, I think are are probably quite different to someone who, who hasn't done, done that as well. So I think that's all the more interesting to listen to, Ruby. So thank you very much for that. Right, Laura, let me pick on you next. Sure. Um, so sort of given you the the stage you're at in terms of your your career now and and working for Uncommon, the um, the host of our event on the, on the fourth of May, I wanted to ask you what lesson you wish you'd learnt earlier in your career. It's quite a tough one, really, reflecting back. But for me, it's it's about asking for feedback. Um, just having that like honest and transparent feedback it's although it's really uncomfortable getting those kind of critique also help you make positive changes that you might not have realized that you're doing something wrong or actually you're doing something really well um but yeah just I think putting your hands up and saying hey guys like how am I doing and you're right it must be and in fact I can think of my own sort of examples you know these are uncomfortable questions, aren't they? You know, yeah, definitely. Because you don't necessarily want to know the answer. It's sort of through a grimace, isn't it? In terms of when, <laughs> when you ask these sort of questions, like, uh, is there anything I can, I can improve on? And you sort of, <laughs> you just want to be told no, because uh, sort of that, that's really easy, right? But you, you're so true about sort of being sort of open and aware to what stage you're at in terms of your career, in terms of sort of getting that sort of feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're managing a team as well. You know, I came from... Uh, selling and I moved into management with no background of management before so you need that feedback otherwise I wouldn't have known how I was getting along yeah I agree I agree I think it's so so important
so before we move up, move on then guys i'm, I'm curious sort of, Rupert, have you got any thoughts about that same question sort of what lessons do you wish you'd learned early in your career yeah, I, I do. And, and I think, you know, it comes down to these three stages that you, you mentioned earlier and, and the idea of, you know, waning a little bit in your career and feeling like you're not getting anywhere. I think I left it almost too long to kind of learn to stick my neck out. And I think, you know, there's no time like the present. We're only on this earth for, for a limited amount of time. If you've got something that you're really keen on or you're really interested in, don't be afraid to, to go ahead and try it. What about you, Rachel? I think something I've picked up along the way is always ask questions and um, you may, you're better off asking a question and it may feel stupid in your head, but you're better gaining the knowledge than you are sitting back thinking, oh, I wish I'd asked that while I was in that meeting or I still don't quite understand it. Um, so ask questions. I still ask questions all the time and whether they're deemed silly or not, I come out with it because um, I think there will always be someone that wants to pass on their knowledge as well. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I completely agree with that. And I think it, it, it's almost sort of you know, being sort of selfish, isn't it, about you're asking this question, not because you think it's going to make you look good, not because you think, you know, sort of there's going to be sort of people looking around in that meeting thinking, oh, you know, sort of um, who's that or why are they asking this question? It's because you want that answer, right? You want that, as Laura was saying, you want that feedback so you can you can give give better next time around. Exactly. So Rachel, if I asked I asked in our, our third and sort of final question, and I must admit, when I when I wrote this, I thought this is an easy one to ask, but it's not an easy one to answer. What lesson do you wish you could teach the current leadership population across real estate so to benefit the next generation? So by that I think I mean sort of, you know, you guys are are this this sort of this next generation of, of leaders. You know, you've sort of earned your place in, in that sort of category. What do you wish you could share from that experience to those who are currently in that leadership sort of uh, those sort of chief executive sort of roles that would make someone who's aspiring in or following in your footsteps in order to make that passage not necessarily easier but in terms of maybe it's smoother i think firstly thanks nick for that question um it's a lot to get your head around but um from my own perspective i think there's a lot to be said for bringing grads to the table because more often than not they're often put into a category of this is your cohort and you'll qualify with this team of people and you'll network within this uh, team of people. But actually, um, graduates are fresh-faced, they come with new ideas and they haven't yet been kind of tarnished with this is the way the industry does certain aspects of things and technology is now playing a big part in that and often that younger generation is keen to put a new idea forward and I think the chief executive should be listening to these ideas and bringing them to the forefront and challenging um, the new generation coming through as to why that may work and what benefits we can gain from working with them. And I think that's also from people that may have changed into property and worked elsewhere previously, that they'll have gained a different skill set and bring that to the forefront and what those benefits are then to the property industry to think slightly differently to what we've done over the past century, I guess, actually, but in the last 10 years from my part. I'd like to, to echo that as well, if I can, Nick, um, just to, to, to really sort of hit, hit that point home that, that Rachel's talking about CEOs listening and bringing people to the table. Um, because, yeah, you know, my, my what I'm doing now has, has all come from one pitch that I did to a CEO, um, Jerry Hughes of Avis & Young, uh, um, about five or six years ago now, um, where I just came up with a new sort of business model, if you like, for advising building owners on, on technology and their real estate. 
Um, and he listened. And at the end of that, that um, sort of presentation that I gave him, he said, right, let's go ahead. Let's create it. Let's audio business cards. What do you want it to be called? Um, so it, it really, it really can help um, kind of win awards for businesses. We, we won multiple awards just through setting up an entrepreneur and residence scheme off the back of, of, of that pitch. So listening to those answers, and, and you can you can definitely sense there's a theme, isn't there, there going. And one, it's, sort of, it, it's great for me because it works in terms of this idea about being sort of playing that active role in your career, having those eyes and ears open to, to opportunities. But I suppose what I'm sort of left thinking about is whose responsibility is it? Now, are we saying to the current leadership team, you know, they need to have that jaw further open to new ideas and to be listening to particularly sort of their, their, their graduate and their next generation sort of cohort as to what needs to change to make their progress smoother? Or are we saying to the same cohort, the, the graduates and the next generation sort of leaders, they should be trying more, they should, they should have more confidence that, you know, they should be putting their neck out more often. What, what, are we, what are you guys sort of saying and what, you know, how should we sort of give the best advice possible to the people who are listening now? So I, I do think that the, the senior leadership um, in real estate do know that something needs to happen. And I think that door is already slightly ajar. Um, I just think it does need encouragement from, you know, the younger generation to push on that door slightly harder and it, and it will open. Rachel, what do you think? I'd echo Rupert's comments that I think it's kind of a 50-50 the, the current leadership do need to take on board their younger generation. And I think in smaller businesses, it may be a bit easier, I guess, because there's less of the intermediate middle management type role. Mm. But I think as well in larger companies, they're already gearing up to the options for graduates to present to senior management and chief executives. So that opportunity is there if people want to take it. So it's getting that balance right. And Laura, Laura, if I give you the last word, what would you say? Yeah, of course. I, I completely agree. I think it's about leadership recognising that everybody within the business um, can can have some, you know, more diverse ideas. Um However, you know, I think as well, it, there is an onus on the younger generation to also be a bit braver uh, and go and, and give that where they can. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for sort of um, allowing me to come along to uh, to the event on um, Wednesday the uh, the fourth. And if you have uh, sort of attended sort of prop skiing before, I'll make sure in our sort of recording sort of notes the the link there is to book the uh, the tickets as well. Um, uh, but thanks very much, guys, for giving up your time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Urban Land Institute is the oldest and largest network of cross-disciplinary real estate and land use experts in the world, with more than 45,000 global members. The ULI's ethos of personal development makes them an ideal collaborator on our podcast, and we encourage our listeners to learn more and become members by signing up at uli.org forward slash join, quoting the promo code ACRE. Thank you for listening.